1: This is the conference operator. Welcome to the Rogers Communications, Inc. first quarter 2021 results conference call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. Following the presentation, we'll conduct a question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star, then 1 on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and zero. I would now like to turn the conference over to Paul Carpino, Vice President of Investor Relations with Rogers Communications. Please go ahead.
2: Thanks, Ariel. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Today I'm here with our President and Chief Executive Officer, Joe Natale, and our Chief Financial Officer, Tony Staffieri. Today's discussion will include estimates and other forward-looking information from which our actual results could differ. Please review the cautionary language in today's earnings report and in our 2020 annual report regarding the various factors, assumptions, and risks that could cause our actual results to differ. With that, let me turn it over to Joe to begin.
3: Thank you, Paul, and good morning, everyone. This time last year, we were weeks into navigating what we had hoped would be a short-term disruption to our everyday lives. As a business, we'd only started to experience what would result in significant shifts in our economy and consumer behaviors. What transpired over the past year is beyond what any of us could ever have imagined. But as vaccines roll out across the country, we do see the light at the end of the tunnel. While we continue to navigate a third wave of the pandemic across the country, I'm incredibly proud of our team's ability to pivot and deliver solid results across our business. The changes we have made over the past year have allowed us to quickly adapt our operations and have positioned us well for the long term with new capabilities, including digital solutions for our customers. Today, I'll take you through the highlights of our first quarter followed by an overview of our continuing ability to deliver for our customers while successfully managing costs. I'll then share some thoughts on how our business is well positioned to deliver sequential improvements throughout this year before turning to Tony for more detailed commentary. Despite varying degrees of lockdowns and openings this past quarter, we continue to see improvements across our business. In wireless, we saw our strongest Q1 loading in post-paid net additions in three years with 44,000 new subscribers. This was a solid result given Q1 is typically a quiet quarter. And although travel restrictions continue to impact roaming revenue in our wireless business, total service revenue was down by only 1%. And we expect soon to lap the overage amount associated with unlimited plans. We further maintain strong customer retention this quarter achieving postpaid churn of 0.88%, an additional five basis point improvement year on year. Our teams continue to deliver disciplined cost management and focused execution, which enabled us to achieve adjusted EBITDA service margin up 310 basis points from the same period last year. Consumer sales on digital and non-retail platforms remain strong this quarter. We continue to meet the evolving needs of our customers, accelerating our digital first plan and self-serve capabilities to make it easier to connect. As consumers increasingly adopt digital platforms, we'll continue to leverage the efficiencies we gain to invest in a better customer experience. A strong digital infrastructure and increased connectivity has become increasingly critical for our businesses across Canada. Recently, according to Cisco, Over 70% of small businesses reported that the pandemic has accelerated their need to go digital. To support these businesses in Rogers for Business, we introduced Advantage Mobility and Advantage Security, two new solutions that allow small and medium businesses to strengthen digital capabilities with secure and reliable connectivity at a predictable cost. We also continue to roll out solutions and investments to bolster connectivity for businesses of all sizes. We were the first national carrier to introduce a managed solution for wireless private networks, enabling large businesses to securely connect devices to their network, prioritize network traffic, control sensitive data, and run business applications. This past year has illustrated how connectivity can fundamentally change how we live and work, and as such, we remain focused on delivering affordable plans for 5G Today, we have reached 2.6 million subscribers on our Rogers Infinite Unlimited Data Plans, a notable increase of about 60% from last year, which highlights our clear leadership position in unlimited plans. To continue to meet demand, we'll continue to invest in Canada's first, largest, most reliable 5G network to build a strong 5G ecosystem for Canada's future. To deliver connectivity to bridge the digital divide, that exists across our country. As of today, we've delivered 5G connectivity to 173 communities across the country, with more to come. And we were recently ranked first for the highest amount of time spent on 5G by Ookla, the global leader in fixed broadband and mobile network testing. While we light up markets with 5G and develop strong capability for Canada's future, we also remain committed to expanding service and connectivity for underserved communities including rural and remote regions. Last month, we announced a $300 million agreement alongside federal, provincial, and local governments in Eastern Ontario to bring reliable wireless connectivity to 99% of Eastern Ontario's residents and businesses. This is the largest wireless public-private partnership in Canadian history. Over the next five years, we will provide connectivity to 113 municipalities And Indigenous communities across eastern Ontario in a project that has the potential to create more than 3,000 new jobs and as much as 420 million dollars in local economic growth while it brings vital 5G infrastructure to this region. We're also helping to close the digital divide in Western Canada with the expansion of our wireless network including 5G connectivity along Highway 16 and 14 in British Columbia. The build of two new towers on Highway 16, known as the Highway of Tears, will provide reliable connectivity to those who live, work, and travel along this critical route. These towers will provide 252 kilometers of new highway cellular coverage, closing key gaps along this corridor and providing continuous coverage and safer communities along all 720 kilometers of Northern Highway through to Prince George. In our cable business, we delivered consistent improvements as customers and their families continued to work and learn from home and as customers continue to choose self-serve options. Revenue grew by a solid 5% year-over-year. Adjusted EBITDA was up 8% and margins, margins expanded. Growth has been driven as a result of investments made on our Ignite platform more customers choosing self-install options and proactive network maintenance, which enables us to alleviate customer issues before they happen. As a result, a material reduction of truck rolls has contributed to our improved performance. Finally, in Rogers Sports & Media, we saw improved results with the return of live professional sports broadcasting in Q1. Revenue was up 7% driven by increased advertising spending as a condensed 17-week NHL broadcasting schedule started to unfold. And while adjusted EBITDA in our sports and media business continues to operate at a loss, we reported a solid 31% year-over-year improvement. In the coming months, it's expected that the largest pressure on adjusted EBITDA in this part of our business will continue to be the lack of Toronto Blue Jays' home games at the Rogers Centre and associated revenues those games bring in. The steady improvements delivered across our business this quarter have put us in a strong financial position overall, including $4 billion in liquidity. As we remain focused on delivering sequential improvements each quarter, we also remain focused on making the right long-term growth investments. This includes our recent announcement to come together with Shaw to create more choice and competition for businesses, new jobs and investment in Western Canada, and to accelerate Canada's 5G rollout. We will continue working with the various regulatory bodies as they review this transaction and expect the deal to close in the first half of next year. Overall, we will work with government to ensure we maintain an environment which allows for continued investment. Last week's decision on mobile virtual network operators recognizes the critical importance of facilities-based competition and provides us with a stronger degree of certainty around future investments. As with any decision we are studying details of the ruling but look forward to working with the regulators to ensure investment-based competition is able to continue as we focus on closing the rural digital divide and bringing world-leading lead- connectivity to canadians as we navigate a remarkable time in our industry and our lives we also remain optimistic about a growth-oriented future and as such we continue to make investments in network innovation and digital infrastructure. We will also continue to make investments in our communities across Canada. I'm proud to share that we recently expanded eligibility for our Connected for Success program to provide more access to high-speed, low-cost internet program to those who need it most. The first of its kind is now available to additional to an additional 750,000 households across Ontario, Newfoundland, and New Brunswick, including customers receiving income support disability benefits, or seniors receiving the guaranteed income supplement. We continued our investment in the next generation of innovators and leaders this quarter with our 2021 Ted Rogers community grants, which went to 42 youth organizations across Canada. These grants will support critical programs for youth in our communities, particularly as they face new challenges brought about by the pandemic. Additionally, we are pleased to partner with the Jay's Care Foundation to launch the Rookie League Program. This program will help ensure that 14,000 Canadian youth who face barriers develop important life skills while building confidence, team, and leadership skills. In summary, our core businesses are operating well, our long-term investments in closing the digital divide and investing in communities continue, and we are in a strong position to resume growth as the economy recovers, and to ensure strategic long-term strength for our company in the decades ahead. I'm deeply appreciative to our teams and how they continue to work innovatively and collaboratively to ensure our customers receive the services they rely on more than ever before. And with that, let me
4: turn the call over to Tony. Tony, over to you. Thank you, Joe, and good morning, everyone. Despite the challenges associated with the ongoing pandemic, Each of our businesses continued to recover in Q1. On a consolidated basis, revenue and EBITDA both returned to year-over-year growth with revenue up 2% and adjusted EBITDA up 4%. In wireless, we delivered strong postpaid net ads and impressive margin improvement despite ongoing pressure in service revenue. Service revenue declined 6% year-on-year, driven by the impacts of reduced roaming revenue and continued overage revenue declines. With air travel continuing to be very limited, roaming revenue declined $66 million, or 64% from one year ago. ARPU was $49.09, down 7% from one year ago. Overage revenue declined 24 million, or 45% year on year, associated with the impacts from our transition to Rogers infinite, unlimited plans. We are now in the final quarters of the majority of our overage revenue transition, and this puts us well ahead of our national competitors in terms of preparing our customers for 5G. Importantly, we have now removed the headwinds of unsustainable overage fees to support service revenue growth going forward. Despite service revenue being down 6%, wireless adjusted EBITDA only declined 1%. This resulted in continued improvement in adjusted EBITDA service margin to 63%, reflecting an improvement of 310 basis points from last year. Our efficiency initiatives are gaining traction, which should further underpin strong revenue flow through and profitability growth rates as revenue recovers. Our cable business continues to deliver strong results. Revenue increased 5%, driven by an increase in ARPA, more customers transitioning to our Ignite Internet and TV offerings, and the result of disciplined promotional activity. Homes passed and customer relationships each grew year over year and sequentially. Despite operating in a full pandemic environment this quarter versus Q1 last year, we still achieved increases with internet net additions of 14,000 and Ignite TV net additions of 58,000. ARPA also grew on a year-over-year basis. This revenue growth driver, in addition to continued improvement in cost efficiencies, resulted in adjusted EBITDA increasing 8% year-over-year. This gave rise to a margin of 47.7% this quarter up 110 basis points from last year. We continue to see improvements in capital spending efficiency with self-install remaining at about 90 percent of all installations as well as ongoing improvements in hardware costs. Cable capital intensity was 21 percent down from 26 percent in Q1 last year and as a result cash margins for cable were at 27 percent this quarter. Moving to our media business, this segment continues to be materially affected by the pandemic as well. While results remain volatile and well off the levels when compared to the pre-pandemic period, we continue to improve versus pandemic lows seen last year. Revenue was $440 million, up 7% from last year as advertising continued its gradual pickup given the increase in live sports programming. Adjusted EBITDA was still negative $59 million, but a 31% improvement from last year. The return of the Blue Jays to the Rogers Center remains the largest factor in terms of driving revenue and EBITDA improvement going forward. We don't have anything new to update in this regard, but look forward to their future return when we can keep fans, employees, and team members and their families safe. On a consolidated basis, total service revenue was down 1%, and adjusted EBITDA was up 4%. If you exclude the impacts of roaming and data overage, we would have been up 2% in service revenue, and up 10% in adjusted EBITDA. COVID-19 impacts in Q1 were still notable, with estimated impacts of $110 million in revenue and $70 million in adjusted EBITDA. Capital expenditures in Q1 were $484 million, down 18% year over year, reflecting a CapEx intensity of 13.9%. This run rate is well below what we anticipate in 2022, 2021. While we have not given CapEx guidance for this year, we continue to anticipate our capital intensity for the full year to be in the 12 to 14% range for wireless, and approximately 22% for cable as we accelerate investments in our 5G and broadband networks. As discussed last quarter, cash income taxes increased this quarter and were $325 million, reflecting the timing of tax payments associated with customers moving towards installment plans for their handsets. As a result, our cash tax rate as a percentage of adjusted EBITDA was 23% in the quarter, but we will see our cash taxes drop to approximately 10% of adjusted EBITDA in the coming quarters. Pre-cash flow for Q1 was $394 million, down 15% from a year ago, primarily driven by the increased cash taxes. In terms of financial strength, we ended the quarter with $4 billion of available liquidity. Our weighted average cost of borrowings was 4.02% as at March 31st, and our weighted average term to maturity was 13.7 years. With a strong balance sheet and disciplined financial track record, we are well positioned to pursue our previously announced Shaw acquisition. As we noted in our announcement, the cash component of this transaction is estimated at $19 billion on closing and we have secured all necessary short-term financing required to close this transaction. On closing, our leverage ratio is expected to be just over five times debt to EBITDA. However, we expect our leverage to quickly move to under 3.5 times within 36 months of close, as we expect the transaction to yield substantial synergy benefits in excess of $1 billion, realized within the first two years of close. Turning to our outlook for Q2, we continue to hold off on providing annual guidance at this time as the COVID-related conditions that led to the withdrawal of our guidance back in April of 2020, particularly the resumption in roving and the resumption of in-stadium revenues for the Jays, continues today. That said, we'll continue our approach of providing the quarterly transparency we have provided since the pandemic commenced in Q1 last year. The second quarter of last year reflected the most significant impacts associated with the pandemic. While the country remains in a significantly restricted environment, we have adapted well to operating in the COVID-19 era, and we anticipate our Q2 results will reflect continued year-over-year improvements across our businesses. In our wireless business, we continue to operate with notable restrictions on our traditional retail distribution channels. However, we continue to see positive loading environment as seen in Q1 as a result of our diversified channel mix. We believe service (coughs) revenue should return to growth in Q2 as roaming should have some year-on-year improvement and we expect ARPU to be flat on a year-on-year basis, which is similar to Q1 levels on an absolute dollar basis. Based on current transition level, to unlimited, we expect Q2 to be the last quarter in which overage revenue declines will materially impact our year-on-year service revenue and ARPU measurements. As we have highlighted in the past, underpinning these unlimited plans are better ARPU opportunities, lower churn, better cost structure, and improved customer satisfaction. Additionally, in Q2, we continue to anticipate strong wireless margins, although year-on-year growth rates will be flat to slightly positive. In our cable business, we expect strong results to continue in Q2 with year-over-year growth in revenue, adjusted EBITDA, and adjusted EBITDA margins as we benefit from efficiency gains and higher revenue. Additionally, CapEx intensity is expected to be approximately 22%, down from 25% in Q2 last year's, as benefits from self-install and Ignite TV platform continue. <clears throat> in our sports and media business, we expect advertising to continue to grow slightly from this quarter's levels and reflect meaningful year-over-year improvements from the low point in Q2 last year. However, EBITDA will be down year-on-year as we capture the corresponding rights fees for our sporting programs, as well as the Jays player salaries. In terms of capex, we will see an acceleration in our spend this quarter, and we will likely see capital intensity levels of approximately 22% for cable and 17% for wireless. On cash taxes, we will start to see more normalized tax rate after the $325 million cash tax installment in the first quarter, and we expect our cash tax rate to be approximately $175 million in Q2 and continue to work its way down to more traditional rates in the coming quarters. As a result of the higher capex and taxes in Q2, free cash flow will be down on a year-over-year basis. I hope this extensive quarterly transparency gives you some good insight on the business as we continue to manage the pandemic impacts. However, as our Q1 results show, we are executing extremely well and effectively managing all aspects of the things we can control. Our underlying fundamentals continue to improve and position us well as we eventually move out of this pandemic. Let me now turn the call back to the operator to commence with Q&A.
1: Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, You may press star then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue. Our first question comes from Drew McReynolds of RBC. Please go ahead.
5: Yeah, thanks very much uh, good morning first uh, maybe a bigger picture question here um so so good good loading this quarter and it sounds like the momentum and activity out there continues in q2 uh joe or tony can you comment on on you know what what's driving the the market expansion or the market uh, activity and particularly on the postpaid uh, side of it um secondly on operating leverage Tony, you've commented in the past uh, few quarters that uh, certainly you you see a little bit more potential flow through here as the top line recovers, uh, should it it play out that way uh, through the rest of the year. Uh, Is there any change to to that view? And and lastly, uh, maybe one back uh, for you, Joe, on the digital execution, sounds like uh, a lot of progress has been made uh, in the last year. Uh, where are you on, you know, further progress in that digital journey? Are, is most of kind of your capability in place, or is there still, uh, much more to do on on the digital side? Thank you.
3: Sure. Uh, thank you, Drew. Thanks for the questions. Uh, let me take, uh, first one and the third one. Uh, I asked Tony to speak to the leverage question. Um, in terms of the market growth. I think it's you know a combination of things. We saw in Q1, um, we saw the market uh, open up a little bit as restrictions were lifted, you know, partway through the quarter um, around that sort of end of February timeframe. Um, that's one. Second, you know, uh, some pent up demand from last year as people were kind of you know working through what their thinking was around getting a new phone, getting an upgraded plan, etc. Um, you know, given the, the the on again, off again restrictions around COVID, a number of customers just didn't feel as comfortable um, getting out there and doing um, and doing their thing. Um, I think with that, you know, in relate in relation to your your um, third question, is we got a lot better at digital execution over the course of last year. And my view on that, Drew, is that that's sort of you know. Um, like painting the golden gate bridge uh by the time you think you're finished it's time to start again uh and digital execution will be a never-ending journey for this organization i'm very proud of the things we accomplished last year the ability to order online and have pro on the go deliver to wherever you want the ability to um, order online and have curbside pickup uh, etc., and all kinds of abilities to make price plan changes and conduct business uh, online through the app, etc. Uh, that'll be an ongoing uh, piece of our work. Um, you couple with that some of our capabilities with respect to data analytics and, you know, running both the sales and marketing function as well as the service function through data analytics, the ability to look in, into the data deeply and see you know, which customers might deserve some outreach uh, and how to best orchestrate that outreach and what particular uh, next action makes the most sense for that customer. Our degree of, of understanding and investment in AI and analytics has gone up substantially in the last 12 months and with more to come. It's also happening on the service front. We've got a lot more ability to look deep into um, you know uh, customer devices and the network and understand You know, for example, in someone's home, whether the Wi-Fi pods are working well, whether there's an issue with respect to a particular device in the home, and therefore proactively look at, you know, uh, driving a better experience uh, in our cable business, as an example. So those things will continue. We've got a great team uh, on that front. We've invested heavily over the last number of years with the right tools and platforms, and we've become a destination for strong talent in, in that area, and it's something that, you know, years ago digital was adjunct to the business. I would say that today digital is becoming core, in fact, is core to the business, and is a fundamental platform in how we operate, both in terms of marketing and sales, but also in terms of customer support and service. I hope that helps.
4: You're on your question of operating leverage. Um, really is reflective, you know, as we look forward, reflective of what we have done on our fixed cost structure um, and margin expansion and how we see that playing out. you know, traditionally we think about uh, flow-through, to use the term you you mentioned, uh, being at 50 to 55 percent, sometimes 60 percent in the wireless space. Um, Our expectation in the near term is that flow-through rate uh, should be slightly higher than that. Uh, owing to the work we have done on um, our fixed costs. Um, in the short term, as I mentioned in my um, scripted comments, you may not see the margin expansion uh, that you saw over the last three to four quarters. As our expectation is, as um, things open up, um, there are some upfront costs related, for example, to our um, store distribution channels. Um, and so, some of those heightened expenditures we've taken into account uh at uh expenditures etc uh, and so while we continue to see good solid margins um, the magnitude of year-on-year expansion in the near term um, will be less than you've seen looking backwards but notwithstanding that um, you'll see very good flow through uh, going forward and just one more comment drew
3: just going back to your first question the other you know Anticipation we all have is um, around um, um, uh, growth in the market with respect to uh, new Canadians. Um, you know, our estimate says that you know, in any given year, especially given our current stance from from our government around immigration, uh, we're expecting four hundred thousand plus new Canadians. Uh, Uh, to arrive here permanently, uh, roughly another 400,000 that are coming on um, work visas, uh, plus on top of that, you know, foreign students. Um, So, these are all sort of upside factors that have yet to play into the marketplace on top of the sort of latent demand and excitement around getting a new device that has been a holdover from last year. So, you know, there's some things that we're present in the market and other things we're anticipating in the market as part of the recovery, on top of the roaming and everything else that Tony's talked about.
6: Okay. Got it. Thank you both.
2: Thanks, Drew. Next question, Ariel.
1: Our next question comes from Jeff of Scotiabank. Please go ahead.
7: Thanks. Good morning. Um, On um, a couple of questions. Uh, First, just on the transaction, on the shaw transaction, um, I think I heard you say that the closing is expected in the first half? Um, I think at the time that when the deal was announced um, back in March, said it was going to be a year. Is there, um, is there a change in that timing, or is that just a, a, a more general timeframe that you want to give to the street? Um, and then more importantly on the integration, um, I know we're still early, but wondering if you can talk a little bit about um, the planning around the integration and the teams that you may be putting together uh, in preparation of that integration so you can hit the ground running in about a year's time. And then just finally, um, just for this year, uh, when we think about ARPU trajectory for the second half, how should we think about this? Because um, vaccination rates are going up in Canada. I know, I know cases are still going up in some parts of the country the vaccination rates are going up. How do we think about how vaccination rates tie back to how you think about our PU trajectory for the second half? If you can just help us um, think about that a little bit. Thanks.
3: Thanks, Jeff. Why don't I start on uh, your two questions with respect to Shaw and then ask Tony to talk about our PU in the second half and the correlation to um, pandemic recovery and vaccination? Um, so, first of all, our, our view on timing hasn't changed. Um, you know, we've said generally it's in about a year's time, um, and that hasn't changed, and, you know, of course we can't be specific. We don't know how that's going to play out, but that's generally our view, and nothing has changed to, to, to uh, move us from that view. Uh, in terms of integration, I think it's important to understand the companies continue to operate as two separate companies um, until the deal is approved. Um, there is a governance structure that we uh, outlined in the purchase agreement that allows for a high-level discussion during this uh, regulatory approval cycle. Uh, and we've started that process. We started that process of uh, high-level discussion uh, and you know, vetting some of the key items that we're allowed to talk about. Um, in the meantime, we've struck a um, integration team uh, with dedicated full-time people Uh, led by one of our senior leaders with functions across all aspects of our business. And uh, there's a work plan that involves a number of very specific work streams and all the different topics you might imagine. Um, And our goal is to have a fully detailed integration plan uh, in the next six to nine months, Um, an integration plan that allows us to hit the ground running the minute we get approval uh, that looks at, you know, um, um, exactly how we will drive uh, the synergies, exactly the operating structure, uh, exactly what we plan to do with uh, different parts of, of the organization, et cetera, to the extent that we can unravel that during this uh, period of operating as two separate companies. But we feel we have the right structure. to will be led by our team. Um, directly, and uh, we're going to be working through it uh, over the course of the next uh, many months. As we have something more specific to say around it, Um, of course, we'll we'll provide commentary to the investment community. Um, But right now, really is an exercise in taking the synergies that we have talked about uh, that were part of the deal uh, in the beginning and fleshing them out and making sure that we've got every one of them bagged and tagged and part of an execution plan with accountabilities. Um,
2: you
3: know, there are a number of people in our organization that have spent a lot of time uh, inside mergers and integrations. Uh, I've got a long history in that area. Our CFO, Tony staff has a long history in that area. A number of our executives do as well. So we feel we've got the, um, the experience and the battle scars, frankly, from, from driving these sorts of efforts. Um, and I would reinforce, as I said last time on the call, that you know, job one is the core business, and part of the reason of having a dedicated team on this is that the dedicated team will spend all their energy on the integration, with the right leadership support from um, a number of our executives, while you know, the 99.9% of the company focuses on um, our goals our financial plans and coming out of COVID with the momentum that you saw in Q1, uh, uh, et cetera. So that's sort of where we're at with respect to the integration. Um, And and maybe Tony talk about um, ARPU and and our views on it.
4: Jeff, uh, to answer your question in terms of how we see the vaccination rollout impacting ARPU, ultimately we equate vaccination with increasing um, the safety and comfort of individuals, both on the consumer side and the business side, uh, to move outside of the home. And we equate outside of the home to increased usage. Um, We do know that as soon as we come out of lockdowns, um, and we particularly saw it last summer, there's a huge spike in usage um, on uh, our traffic. And so um, ultimately, that is the driver of ARPU as um, individuals use more, uh, they then uh, see the more obvious need for something like an unlimited plan um, or moving up in tiers. And so we see the catalyst um, to be very strong and the correlation to be strong in terms of usage and therefore uh, customers moving up in plans. Um, But secondarily, um, it means opening up of our retail distributions, and that continues to be a very strong channel to um, have uh, strong upgrades uh, and upsell uh, in terms of tiers, uh, given, you know, the one-on-one human experience and advice um, that our agents can provide. So, uh, you know, that's really at the core of it, is uh, is driving that usage um, and, and the need for higher tiers.
2: Thank okay. you. Thank Thanks, Jeff. Next question, Ariel.
1: Our next question comes from Aravinda Galapadigui of Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead.
6: Good morning. Thanks for uh, taking my questions. Um, a couple from me. Um, obviously, on the cable side, very strong results, uh, 5% revenue growth, 8% EBITDA. Uh, um, there appears to be a, a sort of a trend in the industry where, you know, you're seeing the cycle of upgrades, obviously largely due to the work from home conditions can you just talk to that cycle and the trend that you've seen at rogers and how you see that sustainability as you we sort of think about sort of a post pandemic or post lockdown period how that will play out will that cycle kind of sustain itself a little bit and spill over um and then secondly uh with respect to capex um you know we've seen the uh, sort of the telco uh counterparts sort of announce some um, increases and and, and expansions that take their CapEx up. I was wondering, I know you've given um, fairly clear guidance on 21. On the cable side, are you fairly comfortable with sort of the current trajectory and the current levels? Um, And then lastly, if I may, any sort of learnings from uh, sort of the the outage uh, from a couple of days ago uh, that you can share? Thank you.
3: Thanks, Arvinda. Tony, why don't you take the um
4: Uh, Yes, please. Sure. Yeah, Arvinda, I think if I understood your first question, what we did see during the pandemic is very um, obvious uh, but clear uh, demand for bandwidth, Um, and in particular very high bandwidth as you had multiple members of the family either working from home or doing schoolwork from home, et cetera. And so we clearly saw that in our tiering. Um, and if you to look at the proportion of customers that now sit above 100 megs, um, it is uh, clearly the vast majority uh, in our customer base. And how we see this playing out post-pandemic, um, two things. One, um, if you were to look at um, you know, most of what's out there in terms of media and leading thought on uh, workplace environment going forward, So most seems to coalesce around a probable mix, and so to the extent that there is still some work from home, uh, we think at those times when uh, individuals are working from home, they're going to demand the best connectivity possible still. Um, And two, um, strong bandwidth, strong reliability is something that, um, you know, when you need it, even though it may be more infrequent. Uh, you're not willing to sacrifice and move down to something less. So we see the risk of migrations down as being uh, a small risk, um, and we continue to see the opportunity for upsell to be uh, more on the stronger side. So uh, we're fairly confident about um, the demand for our product, um, particularly with respect to the higher speeds uh, going forward. As you know, we have ubiquitously one gig available across our entire footprint, um, and that's soon to be one and a half gigs. Um, and so from a product standpoint, we're quite comfortable in terms of uh, the product advantage we have there. Uh, your second question relates to CapEx, um, and whether or not, um, I think you're asking, you know, how we see it for this year, and in particular into next year, and whether we're comfortable with CapEx levels on the cable side. Uh, and I think a few things we'd say there, one is um, we continue to charge forward and have been over the last several years on network in both wireless and cable. I think you see it on the wireless side in terms of the 5G leadership we have. Um, and so I don't think there's, um, there, there shouldn't be any doubt uh, in anyone's mind about our ability to uh, continue to lead uh, on that front and have the right CapEx investment dollars there. We've always said we'd be in the 12 to 14% range on wireless capital intensity. Uh, and that's still the thinking in some quarters you, uh, just as I said in Q2, uh, you may see it spike up um, as we make hay on uh, some of our projects. And you know, you'll know you see in Q2 it's 17%. Um, so we'll, we'll continue to do the right thing in wireless and, and you'll see the results of that. Um, and then on the cable side, I think it's important to highlight that in cable, uh, while the 21, 22% capital intensity is way down from where we have been, that has not at all been at the expense of network investment. Uh, Quite the contrary, we've ramped up the proportion of spend and the absolute dollar spend that goes into cable network. Uh, What you are seeing are efficiency gains and prioritization of things in cable uh, that have come down, Um, A great example of efficiency gains would be on the CPE side, where with our Ignite platform, uh, CPE costs continue to come down nicely, um, and you see that. Um, And so going forward, um, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves in terms of, you know, long-term view of cable CapEx, but we continue to see, you know, roughly in the low 20s um, as, um, you know, the right percentage for us. Keep in mind, um, I think it's important to keep in mind the advantage we sit with uh, today. Uh, Coax and Doxus still continues to deliver a very powerful solution for what we call the last mile. And so we have not had to, um, nor will we have to, uh, put material dollars uh, in order to lead in the marketplace in terms of network performance ubiquitously. Over time, we'll continue on node segmentation, and we have been doing that, um, and you can expect us to continue to do that, uh, and that's all within um, you know the capital intensities uh, we've talked about. Hope that helps. Arvind, thank you for the opportunity to address
3: the uh, intermittent wireless service issues experienced by many of our customers uh, earlier this week. Um, after... Uh, after the recent software upgrade, uh, it led to uh, congestion uh, and service impacts on many customers across the country. Um, I'm deeply disappointed that um, our customers had to experience that problem. Um, uh, Our team is deeply disappointed. We've worked very hard to earn the trust of our customers, and we're going to work very hard to earn it back. Um, You know, despite All the testing that we did with respect to the software upgrade, uh, it simply caused the problems, uh, and it took us a while to recover. The problem really started uh, in the middle of the night on Monday, where we started seeing intermittent um, uh, failure, uh, intermittent uh, connectivity, inability for customers to connect, Um, and for the better part of about 16 hours before we can get things back to normal, uh, our team worked uh diligently to restore the service as quickly as we possibly could. Um you have my commitment and you have the commitment of Ericsson. Uh, I've had a number of conversations with their CEO in the last few days um that we're not just gonna get to the bottom of this but work very hard to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um uh, it, it you know connectivity more than ever is an important part of what we all uh have learned to rely on. Um And at the heart of it, uh, it's you know it's not it's about trust, and we've worked very hard to to earn that trust, as I've said, Um, and we're going to work very hard to um, um, regain uh, that trust with customers that um, have had a difficult time during um, uh, during that period on Monday. Thanks for the question, Arvinda.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Arvinda. Uh, Next question, Ariel.
1: Our next question comes from Simon Flannery of Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead.
5: Hi, good morning. This is Diego Barajas uh, filling in for Simon. Thank you for taking the questions. Uh, Similar to the cable upgrade question, can you unpack some of the drivers behind uh, 5% revenue growth and 4% growth in ARPA, maybe the balance of pricing increases versus upgrades this quarter? Um, and then on the NB&O decision, just curious to get your initial thoughts on the decision and also your view on the inclusion of the lower-cost plans. Thank you.
4: Diego, yeah, well, thanks for the question. I'll, I'll take the uh, first one, and then Joe will respond to the NB&O um, part of your question. Uh, in terms of the ARPA and what's contributed to um, the growth, or more generally, I think your question was the 5% revenue growth. You know, Four point to that was really the ARPA growth, um, and the other point is, you know, increase in subscribers uh, over the course of the last year. With respect to increase in subscribers, you know, as the pandemic eases up, um, we fully expect uh, volumes to improve as well, um, and the ability to upgrade our customers to the Ignite platform, you know, the pace at which we do that will improve, and that comes with a creative ARPA for us, and so, we're quite optimistic in terms of both the volume side, uh, as well as that contributing to ARPA growth. Um, uh, As I said, as the pandemic uh, eases up, uh, in terms of the 4% ARPA growth, uh, it's made up of two primary things and you've touched on them. Last year, we did introduce a price increase um, and that is certainly helping the year on year comparisons. Uh, But importantly, we've gotten a lot better at managing promotional discounting um, and um, driving that discipline within our channels um, so that uh, customers uh, are more comfortable uh, in terms of paying for uh, the value that they're getting um, and the reasons for it. And so that seems to be uh, working uh, nicely. And so as I said in um, my scripted comments, as we look to Q2, Frankly, uh, beyond Q2, we continue to expect to see very good um, ARPA improvements uh, on the back of those items, um, uh, but also up tiering as I mentioned, as customers move to to the Ignite platform. And Diego,
3: in terms of the wireless review uh, outcome and decision that came last week, um, first of all, I believe the MVNO decision provides certainty. For our industry and we can proceed with investments knowing that the government is supportive of facilities-based competition and a facilities-based approach to our market um, we've been waiting for that decision uh for a while and the degree of certainty is very very helpful uh and underscores that investment matters and underscores that that uh, we are looking to build a capability in canada that allows investment to reach far into rural Canada, that allows investment to continue to um, allow leadership on a global basis. Um, you know, Canadian wireless networks across uh, the board have been the top performing in the world for the last many, many years. We've ranked number one and number two historically. I think this decision underscores the fact that investment matters and the facilities-based approach, the regulation uh, environment matters. Uh, we're going to keep reviewing um, to understand some of the nuances in the ruling, and we look forward to uh, a very healthy dialogue with the CRTC on that front uh, as we kind of, you know, unpack some of the very specific uh, decisions and comments that are in there. And as I've said before, we're committed to working with regulators. Uh, our goal is the same: uh, fair free enterprise investment-based competition, uh, an industry that continues to evolve and lead globally and continues to uh, create affordability options for all Canadians. And on the comment of your rate plans, um, we're committed to the affordability options and we'll look at those rate plans and see how to best um, articulate them in our channels and in our marketing uh, as we go forward and work closely with the CRTC on, uh, on those items.
2: Thanks, Diego. Uh, next question, Ariel. Our
1: next question comes from Jerome Debruel of Desjardins. Please go ahead.
5: Yeah, thank you. Um,
8: good morning and congratulations on the results. Uh, maybe maybe if you can comment uh, a bit more on the uh, MBNO decision. Uh, first, uh, how confident are you that the mechanism uh, set for pricing could work and have uh, a fair pricing going forward? Uh, And also, does that provide a a read-through on the decision for for wholesale Internet? And then um, a second question regarding media revenue. Um, Obviously, you mentioned the stadium attendance restrictions, but uh, stronger than expected results this quarter on that front. Can you maybe explain the higher sports-related revenue since we we also uh, had the NHL in Q1 uh,
6: last year?
3: Sure, I'll take the uh, MBO comment, a question, um, Jerome, and maybe uh, Tony take the media uh, sports question as a whole. Um, You know, as I I just said uh, around the uh, decision uh, last week, first of all, to your second question, it's really hard to understand whether there's any read-through on the decision. uh, The TPIA decision, uh, third-party internet access decision is one that's still pending. And really, we're just waiting to hear um, uh, what what comes back from that decision, and therefore, I don't think there's anything we can read through from from that perspective as a whole. In terms of the rates that have been put forward, uh, I think the message is loud and clear: let's continue to drive affordability options for Canadians, and we've been doing exactly that. Uh, We've been doing exactly that as we've created, you know, rate plans through our Chatter, our Fido, and our Rogers brand that different affordability options and capabilities for Canadians Um, I think there's a way to work uh, these um, affordability rate plans into the equation Uh, what you've seen from us on the wireline side and the cable side is indicative of that I said in my remarks that you know we were one of the first uh, to launch the connected for success program back in 2012 that um, um, provides affordable uh, internet for Canadians that are in, um, um, you know, uh, subsidized uh, rent to income sort of geared homes, disability services, or on guaranteed income supplement. We just amp that up to uh, reach about 750,000 Canadians um, through that program. and. Their uh, internet rate plans uh, starting at about $10. Um, that's something we intend on you know, driving uh, forward across the West as we uh, um, you know, include Shaw in that footprint post uh, the approval process. And we're just going to keep looking for affordability options. We're completely aligned with the government on the, from that perspective as well. And we'll work through the details of this here at TC to see exactly how these are well positioned uh, in the marketplace.
4: Jerome, on the second part of your question, uh, in terms of media revenue, um, I think a couple of things. One is clearly uh, Sportsnet is the biggest impact um, in terms of those year-on-year numbers. Um, So what you saw in the first quarter um, were generally more NHL games than you would have had last year. And so while we had a season last year, um, the concentrated schedule provided for more games. Um, But importantly, it's interesting that the viewership uh, on the games this year and the format, uh, the Canada on Canada uh, format, uh, seems to have elicited a much higher viewership, uh, which we're pleased to see. And so both of those have, you know, factored into um, with revenue numbers we were quite pleased with um, overall. Um, So that's really the driving factor on that.
5: Thank you. That's helpful.
2: Thanks, Jerome. And Ariel, we have time for uh, one more question?
1: Certainly. Our final question comes from Sebastiano Petty of J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead.
8: Uh, Thank you. Great. Uh, Thanks for taking the question. Just had a quick uh, follow-up on, Tony, your comment. If you could just provide perhaps a little bit more color on your comment about continuing to anticipate strong wireless margins, although year-on-year growth rates will be flat to slightly positive. Uh, is that on a, you know, you're thinking about relative to the first quarter, or are we thinking about relative to 2Q20? You just maybe get a little a little bit of color there would be
4: great. Sure. Um, the comments uh, with respect to margins, twofold. One, what you have seen is um, very good in terms of what I would describe absolute margins in wireless um, over the last uh, several quarters. Uh, and it's been on a very good trajectory uh, in terms of improvements. Um, And you see that uh, year on year as well. Um, And so I am sort of, um, you know, when you look at the 310 basis point improvement year on year in Q1, I just want to be careful that um, we don't get too far ahead of ourselves and continue to expect to see that um, that uh, type of margin expansion uh, as we start to lap some of the cost initiatives um, that frankly started in Q2 of of last year, um, in part out of necessity. And so, you know, the the amount of of expansion, um, particularly in the next few quarters, uh, will just be more muted, um, A, because we're lapping. And as I said, um, there are some costs as things open up um, that we uh, tend to incur in terms of, uh, as I said, um, store costs, training, Um, and just general things as we ramp up that are more one-time in nature. Um, So continued um, good margins, uh, but the year-on-year pacing uh, will just slow down a bit um, over the next few quarters in wireless.
2: Okay.
8: That makes sense. And then a quick follow-up. I think in the past Tony as well, you've talked about, you know, getting to that 30% kind of cash margin in cable. Um, You've provided some color on, Where you expect capex to kind of come in? Obviously, you unpack the drivers of EBITDA margin expansion as well. As we're thinking about, you know, that 30% kind of cash margin, is that something we should be expecting, or you know, moving closer towards as as we get into 2022 and beyond? Any any changes to perhaps your previous uh, expectations around that? Thank you.
4: In terms of our cable uh, cash margins, we continue to target 30% or better as what we describe our interim uh, threshold or target. Uh, you would have seen in Q3, Q4, cash margins being in the 29% range. Uh, because of the seasonality, uh, you saw it come down a little bit in Q1. Um, but for the current year in 21, uh, we continue to see, you know, I would say, um, um, cash margins in the 28 to 30% range. Uh, for this year. So, it isn't something we're pushing out to next year. Um, We'll have some ebbs and flows, and again, just some of the pandemic-related expenses, um, you know, may impact that on the margin, Um, but that 30% beacon is still um, what we're uh, focused on and headed towards uh, this year.
2: Thanks again. Great. Thanks, Sebastiano. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Our uh, AGM is being held today at uh, 11 a.m. And if you'd like to access uh, uh, our remarks, uh, Joe's remarks, uh, you can get there through uh, investor our Investor Relations site. Uh, thanks again. And if you have any follow-ups, please uh, reach out to Investor Relations.
1: This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines, Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day.